in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 24, I think, of the Moon Tea Podcast. We're the co-hosts, and this is Rob. Hello. Roberto. Robert Ha. Uh, yeah, Rob is a longtime friend. We went to high school together, and earlier today, he texted me, and he was like, hey, when do you get off work? And I was like, oh, maybe like three, but... Oh, also, do you want to be on the podcast at four? And he's like, sure. So now he's here. Yeah. What a story. I'm here. My name is Robert. I am honored to be on this podcast of the excellent co-hosts. Excuse me, I'm just a little delirious. I've only slept six hours and like 36 hours after a 12-hour <laughs> night shift at the hospital. Oh. <laughs> I haven't been able to sleep today, so I'm a little delirious. But... We'll get through this. I have a lot to say. I think you guys will find it interesting. Amazing. Perfect time to be on the podcast when you're underslept and you're about to say a bunch of things that that uh, you wish you hadn't said. Yeah, I mean, sleep deprivation is like equivalent to like a couple of beers, right? So I'm gonna be extra honest, nice. extra real, extra dark at night, you know. So, what do you guys usually talk about on this podcast? Whatever we want. We I'm, just... like, I'm gonna be honest. I'm a terrible friend, and I haven't listened to a single podcast of yours. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't really like podcasts too much, but I respect them. That's it's a cool good. medium. I feel like it's like NPR's adopted child. They like set the foreground, and then now we got. The Joe Rogan experience kind of thing. I mean, honestly, we just talk and we record it. And if people want to listen, then they listen. Dude, did you see Joe Rogan's titties from all the steroids he did? They're so, they're like <laughs> girl nipples. They're like literally an inch long. He's doing an ice bath and there's a photo of him. So like his nipples are like diamond cutting glass, like extra <laughs> thick. I was like, everyone was just like, damn, bro. This is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they start talking shit about him because he's 5'5". Five five. But they also like love him too. They also recognize he's kind of ridiculous. But it's okay. I mean, he's like... Wow. A, I'll just say he's an interesting dude. And kudos to him for his success. Even though he's kind of gone off the rails. But anyway. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that was my little rant about Joe Rogan. But yeah, I'm Robert. Thank you for having me on the podcast again. Um... I guess I can talk about my experiences and like insights into healthcare. It's crazy and it's fun. And it's also depressing with lots of PTSD, mild PTSD. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a registered nurse. I want to stay in the hospital just to be more anonymous. And then all the stories I'm saying for anyone who's like in healthcare know that I'm like fudging details. So it's not a HIPAA violation and it can't be traced back to a patient. Be like, oh my God, dude. Why are you talking shit? Like, I know that dude. It's like, no, he doesn't exist. I'm changing details. Or she doesn't exist. Ooh. But yeah, nice. things are going on. Dude, it's a bummer. The new code wing. So I started in January of 2021. It was, I thought it was going to be the tail end of the pandemic. So I still experienced COVID, but I didn't get the, like, the true brutality of it when it first started in 2020. And then no one knew anything. And like people were freaking out because like they thought it would be like, you know, aerosol HIV or something, right? We didn't freaking know. We didn't know. We had no idea. And like there was also things like SARS in the past. And I looked it up. Like SARS had a, like a thirty-five percent fatality rate. The only reason why it didn't spread like COVID is because like it killed people too quick before it could spread. So I guess people still had some background with SARS and they mentioned it, like the, old, the like senior nurses, right? Mm. But then like this thing came and like, yeah, like 98% of people are okay, but then the 2% just get fucked hard. And like, you don't really know who that 2% is. So that's like the scary part because there's like super fit people who are ripped and then they get it and then they're traked or they die. Or there's like my grandma who is like super dementia, like nonverbal, she just didn't speak. And just you know, at a nursing home, and she got COVID, and she was chilling, and she's ninety three years old, so that's like the crazy part, and that's why I feel all these 
like contributing factors to what feel like all these conspiracy theories or like people just downplaying it just whatever so yeah so i got the tail end of it and it was it was okay ish but i mean covid wings are very black and white it's either just super chill and like the patient's okay or like all of a sudden you see you start to see warning signs and then they'll just die they'll die quickly within like you'll start you'll see like the warning signs in like an hour or so and then you'll like if you have experience you can start to see that okay it's not looking good for him so you're gonna get things ready or they will just suddenly code and die so that's like why is shitty on the code floor it on average it tends to be quieter because these are just people chilling and you're in your like full like medical gimp suit where you have like an n95 and then mother mask on and you have a a shower head cap and then you have like these stupid ppe contact uh, gown and a glove and it gets freaking hot so that's annoying and then it's like a wing and the whole wing is full of COVID particles. So you can't just exit and enter. You have to like do the whole disrobing thing. So it's kind of a pain in the ass, but if people don't die, it tends to be more chill. <laughs> so that's kind of like the pros and cons. But I'll, I mean, but regardless though, it was still shitty. And then so seeing like the new COVID wing pop up again because people are fucking retarded, it's just depressing. And like my hospital called me today because so many nurses called off because like, they're just so done with this shit. And so they're like, hey, can you come in for overtime? And I was like, I didn't respond. I didn't pick up because uh, I didn't even hear the phone call, but I heard, I saw the voicemail. And then I'm just like, I didn't even freaking sleep, dude. <laughs> like barely remember my name, let alone taking care of COVID patients. But at least we got overtime, like 50%. That's really good. <clears throat> yeah, so that was a long rant. Do you usually do you usually take the overtime offers? These days, not really. Although I signed up to do it tomorrow. Uh, for for context, uh, nurses in California or in general, they work three days a week, twelve hour shifts. Oh, in general, in the U.S. and uh, worldwide. Rob, like once in a while, you can take a an extra shift. So yeah, for money. No. I mean, yeah, helping people is nice, but get man, paid. Yeah, dude. Like, you think people's gratitude pays my credit card bills? Hell no. But it's still great, and I appreciate the gratitude. And like, that's one of the driving factors of what makes this job so fun and nice. So people really appreciate it. But I'm also in it for money too. How'd you get into it? How do I get into it? My brothers are your. You're, 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 you're an RN, right? Resident. Yeah, nurse? resident nurse. Um. Brothers are urologists, and my mom's an operating room nurse. So it's like my family's medical background, and then hmm. graduate college, and then worked for my dad at his engineering firm because he got he had like a mini stroke, and so he needed help. He paid okay, but I'm just helping out family. But it kind of became like, oh, he wanted me to become a structural engineer, and like structural engineering is so boring, and like it's, I just like. It sucked working for him too. Like never work for an OG stubborn Korean person because they'll just milk the shit out of you and like be super like mean at times. <laughs> Especially because so many old school Koreans have such poor emotional intelligence. So then there's like it's either just pleasant trees or just like full on anger. There really isn't a in between. But anyway, and then so I was like, screw this. I'm going to nursing school and then went to nursing school. It was fun, but also sucked. And got through and then got the job. And here I am now. And it's funny too, because like they in nursing school, they never really outright said how much this job can suck. It was just kind of implied. And like the first class we took, one of the first things our teacher said was that when she first became a nurse, she was like clinically depressed for the first year. And I just attributed back then to like, oh, it probably just sucked way worse back then. And it, pro- and it definitely did. But like, oh, I can see why you had difficulties just like getting out of bed and showering and stuff. Not that I am clinically depressed, but like, it's like a bummer sometimes. Why would it suck more back then? Oh, um, so the culture of medicine has gone a lot better over time. Um, used to be just like super hardcore, like 
military style so that people on top of you shit on you and then people so then you get shit on and you're like fuck this and so you shit on the people below you and it's just like a stream of poop and um what a, like, what a what a vivid yeah. metaphor <laughs> i mean that's like a pretty as metaphor so for just wonderful. like hierarchy oh my goodness hierarchies in general right like you get shit on and like your natural instincts are to like shit on people below you because you can because you can and you're like, well this episode is not a pc episode everyone just a disclaimer and you like empathy so you're just like it's just like the the chain of increasingly smaller monkeys so like the top ape smacks the second biggest one the second ape is like fuck i can't beat him up so he smacks this just one smaller than him and just goes down nice nice okay it's kind of like i assume it's kind of like that like and like nurses would bully the shit out like the new nurses because new nurses we don't know shit we learned how to not kill people but then the actual practice of nursing is quite different from like what we learned in terms of like the workflow so it's like there's different departments right i I once dated a nurse and and she did the night shifts and and it was really interesting just getting an insight into that field so did you choose or did you just get assigned to certain floor or department or yeah so Oftentimes, new grads have no agency and they're screwed. So they get thrown into the float pool. And float pool, you cover empty spaces where a nurse is required on all the different floors of the hospital. So you can be a, you can be on a general medical surgical floor. You could be in like an oncology floor. You can be on a cardiac floor. You can be on maybe even a P or like emergency department. And so you're new and you don't know anything. And then you're suddenly being thrown to all these different floors and every floor does things differently because they have different priorities and focuses. Like they focus mm-hmm. on the heart. So there's different uh, order, uh, procedures and order sets and like ways of doing things and blah, blah, blah. Or like uh, I work on a respiratory floor and I was lucky that they hired me directly there. So I never I didn't have to suffer the horrible like flow pool purgatory. Um, Cause I have a lot of friends at flow pool and like they say it has, it's like, I guess, kind of interesting because you get to see all the different floors, but it sucks because you don't have a home and then you don't have coworkers. And like any stressful job, like your coworkers are so important. They'll like make or break it. Like if you have terrible coworkers, you're just going to hate your life and yeah, quit so your job. Yeah. But yeah, my coworkers are amazing human beings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so great. Yeah. Especially on night shifts, we have fewer resources, so we have to depend on each other. And then everyone's just genuinely a good person, um, basically, and my coworkers. And they're so they were so helpful and nice to me when I didn't know anything. So it's it's a nice experience. So do you rotate through every X amount of months for different um locations or uh, departments? No. So that's, that's flow pool. Um I'm hired permanently on a oh, respiratory cool. floor. Yeah, so nice. I don't have to suffer that. Oh, so it's called the respiratory floor. So that's why you have so much insight into the COVID type of thing, since a lot of people go on ventilators or? Kind of, yeah. I mean, um, I'm on the fifth floor on the West Wing, five West, and we're a respiratory unit. And so um, I guess since we have a respiratory wing, they put the respiratory uh, the COVID wing right next to us. Mm. So. Wow. It's okay. I mean, I'm down to work COVID. And like this time, I think it'll be better. The cases so far haven't been as severe. And I think also I just have less empathy for them because it's like, oh yeah, you're a fucking idiot. That's why you're here. So go fuck yourself. Because they didn't get the COVID vaccine? Yeah, mm. basically. Mm. It's like, oh, you're a selfish person with no regard to the people around you. And you catch COVID and like, sure, you're one of the few people who don't die, but then you spread it around to people yeah. who do can. And you don't know who's going to get, be okay. And then who's going to like actually die. Yeah. I had a patient who's like super fit. So he worked in construction. He's only, he was in his thirties and he got effed from COVID and he's like on a permanent ventilator, a hole in his neck with you're a machine breathing him. And then he's going to be like that for the rest of his life. And like, COVID did that? Yeah. Because like, oh, people, 99% is fine. It's like, dude, you know that 1% of the entire U.S. population is like 4 million people? Yeah. 
That's a lot of people. And guess what? A million U.S. Americans have died. Literally, literally a million U.S. citizens. That's more than any, than the entirety of all the wars we've ever fought. And that's literally three, more than 3,000 9-11s, which is hilarious because that was a joke on Bojack Horseman. And he said legitimately, this is worse than 3,000 9-11s to his own like celebrity drama silliness. And then it's just hilarious that that runaway line actually fits this situation. How many, uh, how many Benghazis? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, so it's just crazy. Like, it's just, uh, there's a lot of ignorance. But yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it is. So. I feel you. One of the saddest stories that I read recently was this. It's, it's actually pretty crazy, this story. There's a gentleman that is from the Awa tribe in an indigenous tribe in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And when he, so supposedly a lot of, um, people were starting to take over the Amazon forests and poach land and put up fences and take over what the Awa tribe and other indigenous tribes had truly just been roaming and using to live off of Mm -hmm. this man one day and his two kids, I believe, and wife, and maybe one kid, I can't remember, were were just like doing their thing and they might've come too close to someone's newly staked ground. And these people saw these indigenous people as, as barbarians and they just shot at them. So they shot buckshot and whatnot and killed his wife. And the man got shot with buckshot in his side and his kids got shot and he thought he was the only survivor and ran off barely surviving and everyone else that he thought was dead. So he ran off into the forest with the Amazon and supposedly the story goes, and, and I'm quite sure it's true from the article, he lived off the land for 10 years on his own in isolation and he survived off of everything he'd learned and one day 10 years later he ends up in the backyard of a farm and he started to use his bow and arrow which is his main tool of choice and and all he had pretty much he would started to run out of um, wild game so he went to this farm and ended up shooting a pig and the pig squealed and it ran off to the owner and the owner came rushing out and addressed the man. And usually indigenous people like this that are on people's farms like that would get shot and killed instantly. But supposedly he was like very personable or just had a goofy smile on his face somehow. And the owner just took him in. And so he, he survived that. And the owner then is like, what do I do? And there's a nonprofit organization and I forgot the name now, but they basically are trying to fight for indigenous peoples as lands in the Amazon forest to not just get fully, fully just destroyed and, and lose all of that. What happens is they went and this person uh, gave, handed him over. He was transported to a, t- a village near XYZ place. And they got a translator for somebody that they thought was the tribe. And I think they're like, oh, maybe he's most likely an Awa tribe just from the foundation they could realize. And so they got a translator and the translator's name was, uh, I don't know. Okay. I'm not even going to make up a name, but the translator came and right when the translator came in the door, the translator's background was there were uh, a translator for 10 years, had grown up into one and had been an orphan since uh, childhood. When the orphan walked in the door, looked at the, the man, the man looked at the kid, and they realized that that was his son. And the son was Whoa. the translator that had survived and he had caught was dead for 10 years. And so all of that happened and, and they reunited and were really happy and they moved him to this like interim place for the Awa tribes that they had built in the forest. Mm-hmm. And only just recently, last month, or earlier this, uh, Ju- it was the end, mid-July, this gentleman, we'll call him Bob for now, even though that's a very unfair name. The, the guy who survived all of that, COVID hit him. He had a vaccination and he has sadly passed away. Oh. And he was in a hospital all by himself with no one in the middle of a, a town that was nowhere near him. And he went through all of that survival and all of that heartache. And COVID has sadly just taken another victim. Yeah, that's tough. Honestly, and plus a million more other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like, and then, then even and with a like, COVID vaccine too, it's sad. Yeah, because that's like that's someone's brother, someone's uncle, grandpa, son, or aunt, or that's someone's aunt, grandma, 
mother, daughter, sister, and maybe a million deaths, but it affects those million people's families. So it permeates throughout a lot. Yeah, seriously. It's unfortunate that like there's so much ignorance and people are like, oh, it's a fake. I'll get my information from Facebook. Fauci's Hitler, whatever, you know, <laughs> just ridiculous stuff. How does it affect you? I mean, as a nurse on the front lines, I mean, let's be very honest. Uh, I can kind of speak for John too. I'm probably pretty sure we both look at computer screens most of our days and are slightly disconnected from um, truly heart-wrenching things more often than not. And so as, as you uh, are on the front lines in a way, do you find yourself sometimes, like, how do you, how do you cope? Not, maybe not cope, but how do you deal and handle with all of the mental overhead and or stress that comes with it or insights oh, into humanity um, i mean I, i've gotten used to it's gotten better over time because i've gotten more used to it i've been i guess like hardened by the experiences and stuff but yeah it was pretty brutal not, i wasn't like it was just yeah it was just tough you know it wasn't like clinical depression where i couldn't get out of bed it was just kind of like a mild depression just like damn it sucks seeing so much pain and suffering. Like obviously yeah. hospitals are a house of healing. Like the most 90% of people get, you know, 80, 70, 80, 80%, 85% of people go in, get their treatment, go out and go home and they're fine. And that's great. But like, like 25%, ooh, it's like, it's tough because you see the most brutal and painful ways <laughs> of existing and like dying. It's just like insane, like the contrast between just that and like normal daily life. It's just like traffic, Starbucks, I don't know, Netflix, blah, blah. So it was like it was a difficult transition for sure. And then I can definitely see, you can like understand why the suicide rate for nurses is so high, blah, blah, blah. Um, why there's a lot of burnout and stuff because it's like, yeah, it's objectively difficult to see people that you care about because like most like 99% of people in healthcare are pretty empathetic which is why we got this job in the first place or like pursue this career um yeah people like you are responsible for and like care for and then you build like an emotional bond and like oh my god like you're in like the most abject horrible pain that can uh, exist really besides like I don't know concentration camp or something like for example like uh, not my patient, but my friend's patient. He is like 30, I don't know, like 32. And he was born with cere severe cerebral palsy and like had massive seizures as a kid and baby. So his mentation just got effed. And so he has the mental status of a two year old. And so, but then he's like in the 34 year old body. And like, and it's like, oh, maybe he's kind of like a toddler. Carrie's like, no, no, he's just. It's just 24 seven um, wailing uh, at the hospital. Or not, not like nonstop, like they would give him drugs to calm him down and that would kind of calm him down for a bit. But then like, then you would hear him like wailing and crying and just like, oh my God, that sucks, dude. That's so, that's so unfair that life just took a giant dump on you and you were like born to suffer. Like literally your existence is just nonstop suffering. Like, okay, you get out of the hospital and then what? Like you're stuck in a bed all day and your parents have to take care of you. And like, he's like legitimately like a couple steps away from Holocaust skinny. And like, and like if you just lay in bed all day and, then you're really, and when you're really skinny too, your skin breaks down and that's how he gets all these infections. And then he has to go to the hospital, otherwise he's gonna die. And then like, blah, blah, blah. So like those patients, like, oh man, that's, those are tough and sad. Cause they're, we basically, they're basically yo-yos. They like, exit. And then it's just inevitable that they'll come back or like, oh man, if they're lucky, they'll have like a mercy death or something. Which sounds yeah. kind of to say. I'm going like, to ask about that, right? For that type of gentleman who's two, there's, is there any chance of recovery for him or is he always going to be a two-year-old in the brain and just- Oh no, yeah. He's, no, there's, there's no recovery. The brain is the most complicated thing in the known universe to humans. I mean, and like, we don't even, we understand obviously the basic mechanics, the lobes, like, but uh, like the vast majority of psychiatric meds, we don't really know how ex they work exactly. All we know is that we know like a basic mechanism, like, oh, SSRIs, like the serotonin receptor. Um, Inhibitors. Uh, 
inhibitors, yeah. We uptake inhibitors. Just flood the brain with serotonin. And then statistically, it showed that their depression scores went down consistently. And then all these different trials show that depression scores went down because, and so we think that flooding the brain with serotonin helps reduce depression and it's shown. We don't know why that helps. We don't know how that actually processes in the brain to make you less depressed, but we see that it's helping. So I guess we'll just approve it and like, give it to people. And it's okay, it's working, but we don't know how it works exactly. And so like, yeah, when you have like suffer permanent brain damage like that, you're never gonna recover. And in, He's been like that since like he's a baby. So. But I mean, that's like an extreme example. Obviously there aren't that many patients like that. <sighs> but then I had another patient. Um, I, I am curious though, how does, how does someone in his position pay for health insurance other um, than like family, family or like they apply for Medicare or such Medicaid, stuff like that. Like, cause yeah, he's not, he's not working. Yeah. So nurses actually never deal with insurance at the hospital. Doctors, doctors do because they put in the billing and what they're going to charge services for and stuff. And like, there's like specific insurance billing codes and stuff. Um, like, for example, there's that story of a guy who got swallowed by a whale because he was diving. And then he, he, he ended up being fine. But then like, they were joking, like for the people um, aware of like medical billing codes, it's like, what do you type in to say that the man was swallowed by a whale and spat out <laughs> it doesn't exist right i think i forgot what someone said but something there's like attacked by a wild animal or something that was like the closest one or something like that what yeah how do you even how do you get out of a whale's stomach oh so you know you got spat out because whales oh. have a tiny esophagus since they only eat krill so he didn't even fit through the esophagus and the whale was like, what the heck is this? And spat him out. And like, it's, it really happened. You can Google it. Like, he did an AMA on Reddit. <laughs> so they're like, hilarious. Oh my goodness. I, I'm, I'm curious, back to the, the previous other patient, however, mm -hmm. regarding mercy deaths. I, I don't quite know much about it, but in that situation, I mean, ethically, I guess you can go both ways. But are we even allowed to in America, other than the one where it's a very, very elderly or you know brain dead, breath breath only thing oh. to, to mercy death? Like, can you yeah, do it yeah. with that guy? Okay, so euthanasia doesn't exist in the U.S. To my knowledge, I think maybe Oregon has a thing where you need two doctors to sign off if you're like terminally ill. Mm. Two independent doctors, they like recognize, oh, you're gonna die anyway, so we'll just give you a mercy death. They sign off and then. The doctors don't give the anesthesia, the euthanasia, but like they go somewhere and then, yeah, and then they kill themselves. Uh, so yeah, besides that, euthanasia doesn't really exist. So mercy, mercy deaths aren't really a thing. Mm. Um, so if you do want to die, what you're saying is you should go to Oregon. If you're terminally, I mean, they'll only sign me if you're terminally ill. Like you have metastatic cancer all over your body and there's no hope, no chance of recovery. Well, what if you're brain dead or have two-year-old brain and don't have a sense of self or communication right. okay. skills? So, How do you kill yourself? I mean, mercy death, that's, that sounds strange. Yeah, yeah this, is, cause this is fucked up. Healthcare is super effed up, man. But it's also really good because you actually help people. And most people are okay. So it's not like all my patients are like that two-year-old in the 34-year-old body. Um, for him, he's screwed. There's no, no, you can't get killed unlike, unless his parents like finally just one day decide to suffocate him or something. Um, if you're brain dead, that was, like, that was like the whole Terry Shavo thing. Like that was like such a contentious Supreme Court case. Parents want her alive. Everyone was like, she's brain dead and she's wasting a lot of money and it's not ethical to do that to her. And like, they fought for like, I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the case went on for like 10 years or something until she finally died or something like that. But like it like it was a whole thing about like, oh, are we allowed to remove people off life life support? Like, is it ethical? What are the paradigms? How are we gonna justify it and rule it out, whatever? Um, I'm not an expert, but basically to my understanding, we do electroencephalopathy graphs, encephalophical graphs. Just like measuring brain waves with like little electrodes on your scalp, and then a neurologist will interpret that brain wave information and then see if they're 
clinically brain dead. And if they're clinically brain dead and it's been like, uh, I think they have to like verify it too. It's not just like one random neuro doctor. And it's been like fully confirmed, then I think they have to legally remove the life support. Wow. But there, I think there were cases. There was another case where they did remove it and then the person kept breathing. <laughs> so then like, and they lived for like another couple of years or something like that. As a vegetable or? Yeah, or... vegetable. I see. Because like basically all hardware, no software, right? Oh my goodness. Like our bodies are tissue and like the cells will keep going, but the brain is dead. So there's no consciousness. It's just tissue. That's crazy. It will repair itself and everything. Yeah. The wow. brain can't really, I mean, there's neuroplasticity where the brain adapts to brain damage and like compensates pretty well, but like the brain can't regrow itself mm. to my knowledge. That so, makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Goodness. That is goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then like, so that's like the shitty part of healthcare. But the fun part is like, I have amazing coworkers. Like I actually really like the job flow workflow. Like I don't like sitting on a chair all day. It like shatters my soul. Um, so it's nice to be on my feet. I like the, um, I like that every patient's different. They always have different issues. And so you're always learning new things because medicine is insanely complicated. And there's like literally like 10 skyscrapers worth of textbooks for medicine. And like that barely scratches the surface. And if anything, we just, modern medicine only came into being really in like the sixties. Before then it was all like barbaric. Like, okay, I guess I can do wound changes. Like, and then we'll be like, try to be clean but oh before penicillin you're just screwed hmm. otherwise interesting was that like when is that why modern medicine is that the crux the I, mean, that's just, I mean that's, that's my opinion i maybe i'm just talking on my ass that's kind of my interpretation i mean penicillin was created in like the early or like the late 1800s when they discovered it from the fungus but the 60s is when they started to like be more modern with like drips i think that's when they dis discovered pressors and there are more ways to actually save people instead of just like hoping they make it. Yeah. What's the presser? Oh, okay, sorry. Um, so, you know, patients, you need to have a stable blood pressure, right? Because your mm. blood feeds oxygen and nutrients to all your organs, your heart, your, bra your brain, your heart, your kidneys, your liver, um, et cetera, right? And so, if there's not enough pressure in like the pipes, then like your organs start to fail because they're not getting oxygen, nutrients, right? And so that we give them drugs at like a drip usually. It's like a continuous IV, uh, IV infusion where we're basically increasing their blood pressure. Um, either we make the pipes, the blood vessels smaller or we make the heart pump harder and, or stuff like that, depending on like the nature of their case incredible uh-huh so then yeah that was that's like a huge move forward because in back then like there was like oh well his blood pressure is okay normal blood pressure is like 120 or 80 it's like okay his blood pressure is like 70 what do we do uh i don't know if they had iv fluid boluses back then i don't know when they started that or that's like a measure basically like oh let's say you're bleeding out um we need to fill your blood vessels with something just to get whatever blood to the organs. So we bunch, basically just put a bunch of like salt water um, into your blood to come, to create a stable blood pressure. So at least we're helping out and we're not letting you like bleed out per se. I mean, if you're bleeding out too, it was like a huge thing. They would do like massive transfusions of blood and, and like these in the salt water and take you to OR as fast as possible to fix the bleed and stuff. Wow, this is crazy. Modern medicine is blowing my mind right now, actually. I don't know much of any of it. So yeah, and then, the fact that you can put salt like, water in your bloodstream to equalize pressure so circulation continues is that's oh yeah. Um blowing my mind. It's like uh 0.9% salt. So like nine grams in a thousand gram bag of water. So that's kind of like the normal salinity or osmotic pressure of blood, I think. And then, and then now we have like neural trips where like people's thoughts can translate onto a screen 
Like they did that with one patient. So that's like legitimate, like beginnings of cyberpunk-ish. And plus like the whole, all like these cool, like cool new uh, limbs, like they have like the exoskeleton, which is not, it's still expensive, but like the fact that we have like, we can build exoskeletons for like one day for old people. It's like pretty what? Yeah. I do not know of this. I'm not up to date, I guess, at all. What? Yeah, so like, yeah, we spent like the dawn of human civilization until now. And like net only in like within the past like 80 years have we made actual like significant progress to where now we can keep brain dead people alive. Wow. And now we have what was the what is the 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 Elon Musk one? Neuralink coming up. <laughs> Neuralink. Brain electrode stimulation for X, Y, and Z. Did you watch the presentation here? I watched I watched it a long time ago and I, I need to rewatch it again, but it was pretty impressive. They're they've especially their demo video, their marketing yeah. video. I was like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. And then like drill a one inch hole and <laughs> yeah, even yeah, even the the uh like the low hanging fruit is like pretty impressive. Just like for people who are disabled for whatever reason, like to have them gain control of their lens again like that's really impactful yeah mm -hmm. and then kind of like the long the long term is like be able to download things and like like not have to learn languages because you can just download it i mean who knows who knows what that could be like but yeah uh, it's an interesting time uh rob i'm i'm curious uh in terms of nursing and and like now that you've been working for a while uh like how do you want your career to progress and like what are you what are you like how are you interested in taking that oh yeah like oh where do i see myself in five years so the plan is go to icu get icu experience leapfrog to my mom's hospital because my current hospital like has a really good culture but they underpay me honestly and then I can go to my mom. I'll try to go to my mom's ICU because um, she works at Cedar Sinai. So that looks good for my resume. Get a couple more years of ICU experience, apply to grad school, hopefully get in and do that, and then become a CRNA, certified registered nurse anesthetist. So I do like easy anesthesia for patients in their surgery. Amazing. So like ASA one. So like very simple cases. So it's kind of the plan. Well, we'll see what happens but like yeah i mean even though nursing is a lot of doom and gloom it's pretty great too because like you have like you have a lot of normal patients too who are just here because i don't know they have a bleed in their colon so like they're losing blood so we gotta go in and fix it or like they're like hemoglobin which transports oxygen like just measures your blood's functional capacity to do what it does meaning oxygenating your tissue like is low um, like a good a normal hemoglobin is like 12.0, but then they'll drop to like six. And that's like, whoa, that's okay. That's kind of dangerous. It's like, you need blood. So, so they call it a hospital. So there's like normal patients like that, or like, I don't know, they fell and they broke their hip, but they're normal people who have like normal mentation. So you can have like pleasant small talk, and like meet a lot of cool, nice people. And like 90% of my patients are chill nice people but then 10% are like either they're just like man it's harsh to say but like yeah man like human garbage or just you know the very broken people who are just have like severe dementia and like are just 24 7 delirious and like they're here because the nursing home that cares for them does a terrible job and like they come in they're like caked in their poop and they've they're super sick because they haven't been cleaned. And so they got sepsis, which is basically a bodily infection. It's kind of like the simplest way, but like actually um, serious. And so it needs like actual treatment with IV antibiotics or else and other necessary things or else they'll actually get sicker and sicker and maybe even die if it's not treated. It's like patients like that. So like, oh, it sucks for them. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I made like the realization that it's like, it's easy to get sucked into like hospital mindset or worldview. Like, like my whole world is just a hospital. Like this 
paramount suffering of these people just in agony. And there's, for a good chunk of them, there's no hope for them. Or they're like severe alcoholics or drug addicts and they're just almost at death's door. It's like, oh, this sucks. But then it's like, I mean, kind of like a realization. It's like, okay, this is just like a very small fragment of like society. Like hospital has like, I don't know how many beds my hospital has. Uh, a couple hundred, like maybe like 800. 800 beds, that's like nothing. Society like LA has like 8 million people. So it's like, and then there's a whole world out there, dude. Normal life is people like just going to work, hanging out with their friends and family, being normal and okay. Not like this craziness right here. So it's like, kind of learn to not get sucked into that and just be like, oh my God, dude, there's so much pain in the world. It's like, yeah, but there is a lot of pain, but there's also way more good stuff because we don't live in a post-apocalyptic nightmare where it's a constant trouble to survive and there's no such thing as smiles anymore you know we live in a pretty good world it has its problems but it's doing okay for now that's awesome that's really awesome i think it must be so interesting having such a, a deep nuanced insight into that type of as you're saying that that insight into that world but does it it seems like it positively affects you on the things you do outside of work and the way in which you probably interact with society or do things to just in in general outside of work or um i mean it's like a coping mechanism i mean it's helpful um man honestly like my life outside of work is so boring just normal like just hang out with my girlfriend or friends just find a way let's work out love it yeah any favorite places in la no um I don't know. Like, I really like Malibu. It's beautiful. San Marcos is fun to visit. Yeah, I like hiking. Locking out, like, Pasadena and the mountains here. It's really nice. Oh, love it. That's so good. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it'd be, it's just been nice if, like, the nursing schools really emphasized, not emphasized, but just kind of really paint a realistic picture, because I, I mean, so far, I'm like doing, I'm doing okay. I actually really like my job and that fulfills me. And it's like the best job I've ever had despite its you know, problems. But I think maybe some of my like friends or cohorts are like struggling more because they're not like, they're not crazy like me who enjoys like the chaos and like fine seeing, I mean, it's, I'm not, it sounds like kind of messed up, but it's like, I find it kind of interesting to see these kinds of cases where it's like so wild. And it's like, whoa, it's crazy that like humans can get to this level kind of thing. Um, oh, nice. But like normal girls, cause like this is still a female dominated field or just like normal and they're like, oh, I just want to help people. And then they don't realize how insane bedside can be and stuff, especially as a woman, like I'm a man and like I can generally kind of protect myself and like, um, but like these years are like girls who are like 90 pounds and then they have to deal with like crazy like drunk or withdraw withdrawing from drugs crazy people um or like, like try to like grope them and like sexually assault them or hit them and stuff and like obviously we take measures to like reduce that but it happens a lot man i saw my coworker. i mean like he was confused so it's technically not his fault but kind of also like fuck him anyway because he wasn't that confused too like this black dude he was in restraints or like we're helping, we were helping her out to put him in restraints because he was like attacking people. And he's just straight in the bed. He straight up just like drop kicked her hard in the stomach. And I was like, oh my God. And like, we just slammed his like legs down and like slapped, like, like slapped the restraints on. And I'm like, I was like, oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I'm fine. It's fine. like, whatever. And she's like, it's another day. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, that's fucking bullshit, dude. Fuck that guy, man. Like, what? He's like, yeah, you're confused and you hide behind that too. But like, you were just talking to me about escaping and like, you coordinated this like very intricate plan about how to get out of here and everything. And then we're just trying to help you. But whatever, you know, it happens. It's like, he is confused. It's also kind of his fault he's confused, but whatever, you know, shit happens. He probably had a hard life that led to these yeah. decisions to like drink heavily. His liver's messed up. His body can't detox toxins, so the toxins go to the brain. And the, the toxins cause brain damage and cause massive confusion. Oh, so that's, interesting. 
Oh. Happens to a lot of alcoholics, dude. Because alcoholism, really? their liver just gives up. Yeah, liver is like so important, oh, detoxing nice. and like producing a lot of proteins and stuff. And what else do? Yeah, yeah, mostly like detox. And so like we're biological organisms. We metabolize food and we produce waste, and that waste has to be excreted. And then it's the liver's job to turn like toxic metabolites into less toxic stuff to be pooped out, whatever. And if it's not working, those toxins build up and like you know you have your blood and they go through the blood and they go through all the parts of the body especially the brain and so we call that hepatic encephalopathy it's like confusion brought on because their liver is effed up that's a big word yeah it's not always it's not it's like 90 percent of the time it's because they're alcoholics because it's like estimated that like 10 percent of the u.s is like almost 40 million people have problems with drinking or are basically alcoholics. So then we get a lot of alcoholic patients and like, damn, that sucks. I feel bad for them. Um, they're just, Cause they're just full on like addicts. And like, but now they have to pay like the consequences cause alcoholism is like one of the worst addictions. Like up there with methamphetamine addiction cause it just ruins your body. And yeah. So. Also so many more people drink yeah so yeah it's like it's easy to get easy like, to get lost into it yeah like because 90 percent of people are okay with it yeah they'll like party hard in college but then like you know they'll drink like a glass of wine or two as a normal adult and then these are people who are like these are people who are like drink a glass of gin like a full cup of gin every day for like 20 years or some of them uh, in the notes i was reading they said they drink a fifth of vodka every day holy fuck dude you're kidding no and like they can do it a fifth of vodka a day yeah dude you have yeah man people are crazy like living in this just living in general is like struggle we all have to like struggle in our own ways and like survive life and, like maybe we're given a shit hand or given like super abusive horrible drug addict parents and then we do our best to cope with that and then some people just don't make it they become addicts themselves and so they like, you know because they like stuff like this doesn't happen in a vacuum so like, i understand i can I try to empathize to a certain degree, but it's also like their pain and suffering turns them into monsters too. And so they treat people like garbage and stuff. And so that's why they're alone. And that's why they drink more because their life is miserable because stuff like that. So it's like patients like that. So it's like, ugh. Rob, we've, we've talked a lot about working at a hospital and, and, and nurse life. Do you want to talk about your, your life outside of outside of uh being a nurse and dude my life is so boring <laughs> yeah, i just started working out more we all we all have boring lives it's all good yeah I mean, we're about to eat dinner after this maybe get some tacos yeah are you still working out at your mom's house i mostly work out at my girlfriend's apartments gym. i see just doing mostly cardio she has like a she has like a cardio gym yeah, it's like nice. elliptical. Nice. Stuff like that. <laughs> what about you guys? <laughs> what do you guys do outside? Uh, we outside of work. We have besides a po- podcast. Yeah, we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we edit the podcast. Is it is it really hard to edit a podcast? Uh, not not the way that I do it. Like I I slap in an intro, I put in a title, mm-hmm. and then I slap in an outro, and I add the song at the end. And then I, I, I equalize the volume. Oh, okay. Cool. And then I, and then we release it. Like I don't, I don't go through every one and like take out the, mm-hmm. the pauses and stuff. You know, if we, if we had an audience and we wanted to hire someone, that would that would could make a lot of sense. But I don't have that kind of, I don't have that kind of time. That's fine. I mean, this is just a fun creative outlet. Yeah. Hugh yeah. Hugh makes a Hugh makes a thumbnail. Because he has, he has, his his background is in a uh, design. Oh, very cool. Are you? Do you are you like a designer for STEM companies, like graphic design? Oh yeah. Are you? Uh, I'm a yeah UX UI. I'm a product yeah. designer. So. Oh, very cool. It's awesome. Yeah, it was funny. I went to, I just went the other day. I was like in um, a shopping mall area so i just walked into a sunglass place and i was like talking with the ladies just looking at some sunglasses because i don't really buy 
nice things, but I just like looked at them and it was fun talking with them and they were super nerdy and we were like looking at the big screen TV and I was like, wow, there's this massive screen and I was like looking through and I'm like, you guys know that the reason that I'm doing this is because I'm interested in their interaction because I've never used a, a full screen interactive display and I'm curious about their UX or the user experience. And then I was like, huh, how can I like, like, it would be cool if I could just have virtual reality or AR augmented reality sunglasses for whatever brand that I'm trying on and customizing here. And they're like, they're like oh, that'd be cool. And then I saw a button and said, you want to try them? And I was like, oh, what does this do? And I did it. And it's, it was a direct link to my phone. And then you could use kind of like the, the AR features that are now prolific in like oh. Snapchat and whatever. Oh. And I was looking at myself with a uh, the, the sunglasses on that are, and it, was, it had all the three dimensional mesh net like mapping to uh, my face and i was like whoa uh, actually pretty cool. sick yeah yeah I was, I was like oh that's a cool like modern ux uh, yeah yeah random but <laughs> that's fun yeah. you would you ever try the oculus quest too i have i have yeah it's fantastic yeah if, if you ever get it we should play ping pong in, in virtual reality <laughs> i wish my friend uh, a really good friend um he, his company got him an oculus and i was like what and so we play at his place every now and then the uh the beat saber game i hear it's so good fun oh my god that is a really cool game boxing boxing is a lot of fun oh yeah i yeah. bet that would be really cool you get like full cardio too yeah <laughs> i just yeah, uh, still, like fall over or, like slam your head yeah you, you can draw you can draw a boundary oh right, right, right. i yeah. you're like cute thing yeah, we uh we did it. We did it at my house. I invited a few friends over, and then we projected it to the, to the TV. And so one person would be like, da, da, da. and then we would watch it and be like, like punch him in the face, like, <laughs> get him, get him. There it is, dude. That's so cool. I I just I, there's like that new three the the three sixty treadmill thing, basically like Ready Player One status that they're oh, working yeah. on. I saw a commercial for it, and I'm like, whoa. It was pretty rudimentary still looked like, but uh, that's cool. I guess they'll make games one day that'll work. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. I feel like most gamers are kind of lazy and just want to like controller on the couch kind of thing. But like, it'd be super cool to have the option. Right? Yeah, exactly. As a workout too, because I think I'm also lazy just working out. So I'm like, how do I get a cardio in? Oh yeah, let's go play a running <laughs> thingy game. <laughs> that's what boxing is for me. It's like, it. oh, it's kind of a game and it's it's a pretty good workout. I mean, I haven't I haven't done it in a long time, but that's the only game I used to play. I love that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Rob, what, what else are you into? I mean, going on your boxing thing, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty useful too. Cause like everyone's like everyone, do you like ever go on like Reddit and watch like fight porn? What's fight porn? Basically it's just street fights of people like beating the crap out of each other but they're always like doing like mma stuff you know where they uh, try to take him to the ground and they're just like Argh! so like definitely boxing will help a lot if you ever get into a fight i was thinking about i was thinking about doing jujitsu in in new york city i was looking at gyms so uh there's a book called the art of learning which was written by josh waitskin who was a chess prodigy he created he co-founded a gym in new york city and I like, I just wanted to go there. Is but it open in COVID times? It's, it's open right now. New York, in New York City, everything's open. Oh, yeah. How do you, how do you do BJ? I guess if you're vaccinated. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you have to show that you're vaccinated uh -huh. and then they'll yeah. let you sign up and everything and like enter restaurants and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was thinking about doing it. So right now, right now it's between uh, jujitsu and climbing. The, the benefits of climbing are that I can show up whenever there's a gym and also they have teleservice. And then the, the, uh, the, and then jujitsu on the other hand, I have to show up at a specific time. I can't, I can't, there's no like gym for me to go to and it's twice the cost. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's purely like a skill based thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you, like, need, so you need a teacher. Like you need a coach yeah. and I'm sure like, I'm sure the the coaches like if you've opened your own gym, you're probably like renowned. You're probably oh, yeah. good at what you're you doing. You definitely have to have placed pretty high at a tournament. So we'll see, we'll see. I like I like the idea of going for like six months and knowing the basics of grappling, and so that I'm not a total newbie in in case like 
I don't know, someone's just like, hey, you're Asian, and then tries to like fight me or something, I'll be like, mm-hmm. turn back now. Like pull up, pull up Goku and be like, you're making a mistake. Don't make <laughs> but, me hurt you. <laughs> no, that, that is unlikely to happen. But, but yeah, we'll see. I I like climbing and jujitsu seems fun, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. People should be careful about punching people in the face because you can kill someone like that. Like actually. Yeah, I wonder as a nurse in the hospital how many are from like fights and just accidental curb hits from getting knocked over. Um, that's more trauma. Trauma is more of its own like separate thing. Like they're in a car accident and they're messed up or some kind of accident. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, like, for example, like there's like a doctor outside a hospital and some asshole was like vaping and he's like, hey, can you not vape? It's not allowed here. And then like the guy got upset and he like punched the doctor in the face. The doctor fell over, hit his head on the curve and died. Oh, people like, die all the time. Gosh, yeah, like- Do not get into fights often. That is a bad yeah, idea. Definitely the art of self-defense. You don't want to, yeah. Dude, yeah, that guy is probably, he's in yeah. jail now. Oh yeah, most, most definitely. Dang, yeah. Just calm down, it's just vaping, bro. Yeah, <laughs> just, Dude, that's just that, somewhere else, man. That one decision, <laughs> yeah. That one decision, just kill like, a doctor. You you made his family, that's yeah. your mom. <laughs> you, have, you have a felony. You're probably you in jail life for... over vaping. Like you thought, you, yeah. Is it worth it? You oh, thought man. a quick sucker punch would like show him who's boss and like tell him, like yeah, show hey, him hey, you you're got, such a man. You got like, you got to be a tough guy for a while, dude. for like a minute. Bummer. It's just unfortunate. Uh, it really is. Oh, we're uh, close to time. Rob, is there is there any uh, words of wisdom or parting thoughts that you want to say to our listeners? Um, I mean, I kind of use this as a vent, just to rant. So thank you for me just rant <laughs> about the horrors. But I mean, healthcare isn't just horrors. It's great. I mean, like it's it feels so good when you like discharge a patient and you see their family and they like do a group hug and it's like they're so happy to see that he's healthy or she's healthy and going back home it's like yeah man it's like it's nice that's an actual like fairy tale happy ending it's cool and there's a lot like that so um but yeah current state of healthcare is getting kind of rough for nurses what kind of what kind of person do you think is a good fit for being a nurse um obviously you have to have a good heart empathy compassion but you you need grit like, this is not a job for faint-hearted people. If you're going to do bedside, it's tough. And, like, like I had a patient, like, pinch me, grab me, slap me. But she's, like, just an old, sweet lady who's really nice during the day. And then she has really bad dementia. And, like, oftentimes, real quick, not to like quick tangent, patients with dementia, oftentimes, they'll, like, go crazy at night and we call it sundowning so during the day she's like pleasantly confused it's like oh my god everyone here is so nice at this hot at this hotel like they're so friendly and helpful and at night she like literally like, cusses me out she's like f you hitler like verbatim she said that like this what is this a concentration cap because i was just like man you can't leave like for your own safety because you're an old woman and you're gonna fall and like break your head or something and like and then she like grabbed my arms behind obscenities it's like oh sucks so that's why you need like grit to deal with healthcare but it's awesome um and hopefully it works out for you and yeah just take care of your bodies you heard it here first (laughs) thank you guys for having me hey no robert you're incredible thank you so much for joining us uh i guess we'll do the outro and We'll do the, the whole nine yards of, hey, everybody who's listening, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast, where you get to see John gesticulate in random directions, <laughs> and really cool people like Rob come on the show and talk about what they do best. So this is a place where we talk about craft, community, and building meaningful careers. Thanks again for tuning in, and see you next week. See ya. See ya.